This may be even as you were praying up here or as you were sitting out there, God gave you some encouragement for one of those graduates. I'd encourage you right afterwards, just go give it to them. Maybe God gave you a scripture or something. I would, uh, they'd be encouraged, I'm sure. Um, I want to do one other thing that was unplanned uh, today, and that's just because I'm the guy with the microphone that works. Um, it is kind of a significant um, year in the Gooder household. Um, Johnny's our last to graduate, um, and uh, it's a big deal. Um, next, This coming week, Jane and I celebrate 28 years of marriage. She should get something for that. Um, but actually, what I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to honor four people who've had a, a huge impact on uh, all the generations, and that's uh, my father and mother, Steve and Janice Gooder, and my in-laws, Charlie and Marge Bowers. Would you guys stand? Stay standing. So I don't... No, you got to stay standing, because I said so. Um, these four people have had a huge impact on uh, my life and on the lives of many. Um, Jane and I are uh, um, numbered among the few. We can say our parents are still alive and still married for the first time to one another. I mean, th- this is an astounding heritage we have. And um, so I just wanted to publicly thank you for your faithfulness, for the way you've poured into us. And um, honestly, this church is blessed by your relationships with God. What you've done with what God has given to you is poured out in this place every day and every week for years and years. So thank you. How often do you get to do that? (laughs) I'll come to your church next week, Charlie. We are celebrating a new season, and I want to talk specifically about the season of, uh, that's um, indicated by today. How many of you knew that it's Pentecost Sunday? <clears throat> I'm not going to go through all the Old uh, Testament background of Pentecost, but as New Testament believers, this is the day that we celebrate the releasing of the Holy Spirit from God the Father in heaven upon his church on earth. I mean, th- this, is the, this is a big deal. Uh, for the Jews, this is one of the three major festivals in the, in the Jewish year. It would have indicated for them the celebration of the giving of the Ten Commandments from God to Moses. The Word of God given from God to Moses. And we celebrate in the same way. The Word of God being preached with power through us by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so when the Holy Spirit was sent, Acts chapter 2, um, there was a... a and sort of an eternal shift that happened in the earth. You look in the Old Testament and all of the things that the Holy Spirit does, Holy Spirit is very prominent in the Old Testament. But mainly the Holy Spirit comes on specific people at specific times and for specific acts. You know, Samson, you know, wrecking the thing, David, uh, um, Saul. But you see the Holy Spirit coming to do specific things, specific times through specific people. The huge change in our walk with God came on Pentecost when uh, the Father released the Holy Spirit upon all flesh. So all of a sudden, it's not just one particular person at one particular time for one particular act. Now what we have is 
not just the Holy Spirit on us, but as believers, the Holy Spirit is in us. And the Holy Spirit longs to flow through us. We live in the age of the Holy Spirit. We live in an age of grace. And though I don't want to read the typical Acts chapter 2 Pentecost story, you can read that on your own, rushing wind, tongues of fire, it's really great. I really want to talk this morning about why was the Holy Spirit given? I mean, we, we, we pray a lot about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I think, I think we're good at that. But why was the Holy Spirit given? And to get that answer, I want to back up a chapter in Acts and look at Acts 1, 1 to 8. If we want to know um, why the Holy Spirit was sent and what exactly we do as believers in this age of the Spirit, we're going to look to the last words of Jesus. So uh, Acts chapter 1, this, this is uh, Jesus just about, just before he's going to ascend into heaven. So he has lived a life of perfection. He's preached his last message. He's died a painful death. He's been uh, brought back from the dead by God himself. And now he's proclaiming the gospel 40 days all around. People are seeing him alive. Everyone's amazed. And Jesus is just about to send, uh, ascend to the Father. And um, this is, these are his last words. I mean, this is like parting statement, you know? Very important. Muy importante. It's the two words I know in Spanish. They're probably wrong. <clears throat> so this is Acts uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read the um, first eight verses. If you've got a Bible, you can open it or turn it on. This is the word of God. <laughs> In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. God, we ask um, for your blessing of understanding and empowerment upon this, your word. Holy Spirit, come. And drive these truths into us. And we ask that uh, you would make a a place for them in our hearts. That our hearts would be good soil today. To hear this word of God. To nurture it. And to let it grow into spiritual fruit. That we might be your witnesses. Bold witnesses. In Jesus name. Amen. So um, I had a dream. Um, did you ever have a dream that knocked you out of bed? Who's ever had a dream where you end, actually ended up on the bed? A few of us? We're going to start a club. Okay. I fall out of bed. Out of bed. Okay. Um, last Tuesday morning was my first. Okay. I'm sort of new in the club. 
Um, it was early morning. Um, I woke up when I hit the floor. Um, Jane looked over and said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, dusting or something. I don't know what I said. So I want to tell you the dream I had. Because I, I don't often have dreams that are so powerful. So like, some, this is God saying something. So I'll, sell, I'll tell it in short. Um, I was at a conference of some sort. It was a vineyard conference. I saw some of you there. Thanks, it was good to see you there in my dream. Um, and uh, when I, the conference was ending, and I went into a very small room. It was just a small, bare room, and it, it, and it was connected to the conference center, but it had a, a door out to the outside. And, and in that room, there was a, a young black man. I didn't know him, but we were joking. We were talking. And um, we were joking about the fact that apparently I had come back from the dead. Um, now, in the dream, I'm thinking to myself, I don't remember dying. Um, then again, I don't remember being born either. So, you know, I don't know how all that works. But um, we were joking, and I realized that the way he was talking to me, I'd actually been resurrected. Yeah, I thought, this is pretty cool, you know? So I, in my dream, I made a joke to the man. I said, hey, I'm so sorry I couldn't help you last week. Ha, I was dead. <laughs> Seems like a good excuse, you know? This is how I work. I'm sorry. This is, you're being invited into my private world. <clears throat> so um, a- after that brilliant statement, I walk out the door. And um, as soon as I'm out the door, I'm walking up a road towards my car. And I can see there's another car next to my car. And I start walking towards my car, and immediately I realize there, there are three people behind me. Three people I hadn't seen before. Two older men and, uh, and a young woman. And I just look back, you know, and, and I'm walking up the hill, and I got that feeling, that sort of dreamy feeling. This is not good. And I look back, and I realize these people mean me harm. And so, you know how slowly everything goes in a dream? I'm like, I've got to get moving here. You know, and I had a long coat on, a big, long, wool, gray coat. And you know how in a dream you can't move? So I'm trying to run, but it's like one of those slow motion sequences, you know. And I'm thinking, I've got to get to the car. And I realize I'm not going to get to the car. They're going to get me. And so I'm thinking, I've got to get this coat off so I can run in the woods. And I've got to get around this car so I can get away from these people. And one of the men has a shovel, a big, like, old snow shovel. Are we having fun yet? <coughs> And he's coming at me with the shovel. And I can see so clearly in my dream the, the silver blade of the shovel, flat. And he's about to swing for my neck. And as he's swinging the shovel, he yells out, you were supposed to stay dead. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know what I was thinking, actually. <laughs> he yells out, you were supposed to stay dead. I, stay dead. And I kind of had this flash like, that's probably what the devil thought about Jesus. I mean, in the dream, I'm thinking, yeah, that, yeah, but, you know, and so he's coming after me to kill me. And just as he's swinging, you know, it is just right, the thing's just about to hit my neck. I'm in the dream, ripping off the coat and getting around the car, at which point I fall out of the bed. So you're alive. I'm alive, thank you. Um, it really shook me. I woke up. It was 5.05 a.m. Uh, I, re- I, don't, I don't really know all the interpretation of the dream. I put it out to some friends. Um, a couple things I know for sure. We're celebrating the, the sending of the Holy Spirit. In, in, in some ways, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. This is a part of the Easter season. And now Jesus is ascending to the Father and releasing the Holy Spirit. 
you know what? Jesus was supposed to stay dead. The devil's plan was he doesn't get to live. And I'm sure the devil must have said to Jesus, or at least thought to himself, on it, you were supposed to be dead. And I, I want to give you this piece of good news. The devil feels the same way about each of you. We were supposed to stay dead. The devil's plan for us was no life. It was dead in our sin, dead through our lives, dead, double dead, triple dead, dead in hell. But, but the, the, the same power given by God to raise Jesus from the dead has been given by, to us. It is the same power of the Holy Spirit that brought Jesus from the dead that has saved your soul. That same power of the Holy Spirit is within you if you know Jesus. If you met Jesus last week, last week, that Holy Spirit is within you. That same power is within you. The Holy Spirit still giving his work. So uh, just you, you, you were supposed to be dead, but you're not. God's raised you from the dead. You know, one of the things I can probably take from my dream, I thank Steve Sargent, our administrator, for this. He always gives me, you know, I always look really bad in my dreams when I give them to Steve. You know, <laughs> he points out the one thing I did wrong. You know what he said? He said, Randy, it had, you had just realized that you'd been raised from the dead and someone comes after you with a shovel and you were afraid. It's like, what, what were you afraid of? And I'm like, dang, dang. <laughs> Why could I not remember from one scene to the next? Hey, you can't kill me, you know? But isn't it the truth? We, we cannot be killed again. We, we who have died with Christ have been raised to life. I mean, there's a physical death coming, whatever. But we have the life of the risen Christ within us. And so why was this Holy Spirit given? Let's look to Acts 1.8. It says here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be, just say it with me, my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> Everything that the Holy Spirit does is with one of this one primary purpose that we would be the witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus in the world. The Holy Spirit does amazing things, heals, convicts, comforts, saves, draws, soothes, brings joy. I mean, I could go on a long time about what the Holy Spirit does. But the last words of Jesus are this, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and job number one, you will be my witnesses. Here's the power. Here's why I gave it. Bam, your witnesses. That's why the Holy Spirit was given. Where? It says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. There's an entire missions conference in that, in that phrase. I won't give it right now. But just picture a map of Israel in your head. Okay? Picture, we'll do like the Michigan thing, okay? Here's Israel. Here's the Mediterranean, okay? You got Jerusalem right in my palm. You got Judea up here in the top of my hand. You got Samaria up around my knuckles. And my fingers are the uttermost parts of the earth. That wasn't half bad. So when Jesus says to the disciples, the Holy Spirit's coming, you're going to be empowered. He basically says, you're bringing it to where you are. You're bringing it to the people next to you. You're bringing it to the people who might be a little different than you, Samarians, not a good situation in the New Testament for Jews. And you're bringing it to the uttermost parts of the earth. He's, he basically says, you will be my witnesses with this power wherever you are, wherever you go. 
every place. It's, the, it's, it's a primary reason the Holy Spirit is released by Father God upon the earth so that the people of God would be witnesses to the love of God and the power of God on the earth. I mean, that's just kind of number one. So if we know why the Holy Spirit was given so that we would be witnesses, it seems like a logical question. I'm gonna, I'll go to the high school graduates for this one, you know. Next logical question, well, what's a witness? Because I, I think as people of God, if you've, you know, walked into the kingdom this morning or 50 years ago, we may be a little messed up about a witnesses, about what a witness is. Some of us has, have pictures of a witness as you've got to be on the street corner or you have to initiate every conversation. You have to slip Jesus in somehow to everything. You're, you're God's marketing agent. You've got to come up with witty things to do. I'm just going to tell you, God, God doesn't need a marketing agent. He made the world, okay? He's, he's, got, he's, 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 he's made the entire world. That's a pretty good promotional campaign. But what does it mean to be a witness? <clears throat> so I'm going to go to another passage, Acts chapter 22, verses 14 and 15. This is the Apostle Paul. He's telling his story again. Read through Acts and, and, and how many times the Apostle Paul tells his story. Because the Apostle Paul is a witness. Every time, this one, he happens to be getting arrested. Okay? So he's, he's in town. He's preaching the good news. There's a bunch of people that hate him. They get the big wigs to come in and say, this is Paul. He's turning the world upside down. We'd really like to see him dead. I mean, this is all happening publicly. And Paul says, okay, hold on. I'll go with you, but could I make a short speech first? <laughs> That's the boldness of Paul. Like, I'm happy to go to prison. That, no big deal. But I got a few things to say first. So he looks at the crowd. He speaks to the, he speaks to the, um, the uh, authorities in Greek to astound the authorities. Man, this is a smart guy. And then when he says, can I say something? He turns to the crowd and he speaks in Aramaic. So everyone in the crowd can hear what Paul is about to say. And you know what Paul gives? Paul does not give a sermon. Three points, poem, exegesis, any of that. Paul tells his story. Paul just tells his story. Well, this is me. I was doing this. I was doing that. I was on a horse, bright light, trying to kill people. Bam. You know, the whole Acts story of Paul. Acts twenty-two fourteen. He's in the middle of his story. And he says this. The God of our ancestors. He's speaking to the whole crowd. Um, this is what uh, Ananias said to Paul, and Paul's relating it. The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one, that's Jesus, and to be his witness. And then right here he defines witness for us. The next little phrase, telling everyone what you've seen and heard. That's a witness. That's it. Paul defines it for us. You want to know what a witness is? You've been given power by God. The Holy Spirit's upon you. So you can be a witness. Of what's a witness? It's just simply a person who tells what they've seen and heard. That's it. Your three-year-old can be a witness. I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. In fact, children are the best witnesses sometimes, right? Because they don't know when to stop. Well, then I saw this, and then I saw this, you know? Have you ever been on, a, on an elevator with a three-year-old and a lot of people? And your three-year-old says something really, you know, kind, like, how come that person is so ugly? 
or something like that. What are they doing? They're being a witness. It's just what they've seen and just what they've heard. <laughs> but dad, you said you thought they were ugly. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's making a point. That's all a witness is, is just telling people what you've seen and what you've heard. A child can do it. We're all to be children in the kingdom of God. That, that's, that's what it is. When we get up here and we talk about you bear the presence of God into the world, some of you may take that as I've got to read the Bible more. I've got I've to pray more. I've got to read more books. I've got to know more. I have to, to be able to explain, you know, creation, evolution. How many days in creation? You know, what if they ask me something like, why does God allow evil? Yikes, right? That's not what a witness is, primarily. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit that you would be a witness, which just means this. Tell what you've seen and heard. What have you seen and heard? I was a pitiful slob and God came into my life and I'm less pitiful and less slobby. I didn't know where I was going. I, I, was, I was distraught. And, and I walked into church one day. I didn't understand it all, but Jesus changed me. My child was sick and we pray for We've prayed for my child. I don't know how it works, but they're better. I went through the most horrific, painful experience. But I'm not bitter. It's a miracle. God's touched me. I mean, that's what a witness is. What you've seen and heard. That's why I don't suggest you go and find someone else's account of salvation and tell it. Because it's your own story. Paul just says, here's what I've seen and here's what I've heard. And I'll tell you, the demographics in this room right now, the people who could be impacted, who will be impacted when we recognize that we are witnesses to the love and the power of God, which just means here's what I've seen and here's what I've heard. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I could probably leave you there. You all have a nice look on your face. You're feeling sufficiently challenged. You know, I've done my job, but we all know I've only given two points. <laughs> and I don't, you know, someone in seminary told me that my job as a, as a preacher is to uh, comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> so I'll just give you a little affliction here at the end. If the Holy Spirit was given by the Father from heaven in order for his people on earth to be witnesses to his love and power. And if to be a witness just means to uh, say what you have seen and what you've heard, then what is it that characterizes a witness, a faithful witness of Jesus? And you might be surprised by the answer that I found in the Bible, and it's one word, it's boldness. It's boldness. Acts chapter 4, 30, uh, verse 31 the, the disciples had just had a prayer meeting, okay? Basic everyday prayer meeting. God, come and do amazing things. We have these prayer meetings in our church. And then it says this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened right after they were filled with the Holy Spirit? They spoke the word of God boldly. They spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly does not equal you must go into your job site tomorrow with a big cross on and a big Jesus hat and start yelling at people. 
all boldly means is whatever's happened inside, let it out. If the word has been given to you, give it out. If something's touched you, let people know. I mean, we're, we're willing to talk about what happened on, I wish I came up with a TV show that's trendy, but I don't have one. That show, all right? I don't watch it, so I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I failed to connect with my constituents right there, because I'm sure there's something out there that everyone's talking about, except for me. You, we can talk about it all, right? But, but, but what if, just once, man, I know this might sound weird, but you're not going to believe what I saw yesterday. I saw, I saw my child touched by God. You're not going to believe what I heard. I was reading the Bible this morning, Psalm 19. It says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Then I looked up and I saw it. I was amazed. That's, that's a witness. That's a bold witness. It's just letting it out. Here's what boldness means in the New Testament. Freedom in speaking. You're free. Unreservedness in speech. Open, without concealment. Speaking without ambiguity or circumlocution. Isn't that a fun word? You know what circumlocution means? Walking around in circles. Boldness just means this. Get to the point. Get, get, get to the point. What's the point? I don't know why, but God saved me. What's the point? You know, you knew me in high school. How many are going off to reunions? You knew me in high school? Man, uh, that was awful. I've been changed. What happened? God did it. Just get to the point. That's boldness. Boldness is free and fearless confidence or cheerful courage. That's, that's good. I, I, know, I know people in this room who I would say they are cheerfully courageous. My son Johnny is cheerfully courageous. He is. He walks around and he, he, you just see joy in him. And when you ask him about it, he'll tell you. He's told a lot of people. That's, that's, that's a part of our calling as witnesses. If you have hope in Jesus, be bold. If you don't have hope in Jesus, boldly run after hope. So everyone's got something to do. If you've got hope in Jesus, be bold. Let it out there. Let God take you into those situations like David Bradbury was telling me before this morning. He said, I just kept thinking about that story in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John. They're just on their way to the temple to pray. Everyone was doing it. And they saw that the beggar. And the beggar says, give me money. And Peter says, I, I don't have money. I don't have gold. I don't have silver. You want to know what I got? I got Jesus. Stand up and walk. That, that's bold. And how could he do it? Well, he'd seen it and he'd heard it. So he gave it away. So if you have hope, be bold. If you don't have hope, boldly pursue hope. That just means you go after Jesus. Jesus, what do you want? What, what, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to? What do you? Do, what do you want to do in me? I need to be touched. I don't. I don't have hope. I need hope. We'll pray for you afterwards today if you need hope. It's a gift from God. You can't make it up. Proverbs twenty-eight one: The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are bold as lions. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are bold as lions. So, with two more minutes, one more dream. A couple of years ago, my wife had a dream. We are true dreamers, okay? Jane has powerful dreams. God speaks to her in her dreams. When Jane gets up and says, I had a dream, I'm usually afraid. Because <laughs> God's telling us, and it's not going to be easy. 
This is the dream Jane had about you all a few years ago. In this dream, Jane and I were leading a long line of hungry lions. Okay, so we're walking on a path up a hill, like around a mountain, and we're at the head, and we're leading this, this huge crowd of hungry lions. And she said, as we were going up to the top, we finally got up to the top, there was like a, a peak at the top of this mountain, and there was a, a big banner, and it was like a carnival setting. And on the banner it said, free for all. And when she woke up, she, she realized in the dream, she actually saw people up on top of this mountain in a carnival setting. And what they were doing is, is they were giving their gifts away. They were doing what God had given them. She saw her friend Mary Lou. And um, there was a big tent. And all these people were going in to see Mary Lou teach. Because Mary Lou's a teacher. That's a, it's a gift the Holy Spirit's given her. And so Jane was there and all these people were going in. Like, are you going to go here, Mary Lou? We got to go. Because the gifts of God were free for all up on top. You're hungry lions. I mean, every one of you, you're hungry lions. If you're here today, you're listening to me, you're part of Jane's dream. You're hungry lions. You're on your way, step by step, going to the place where God will release through you the very gifts he's given to you. That's God's plan. You may feel like I'm the last lion in the pack. I don't care. You're in the pack. And he's leading you. He's leading you. And here's what I want to I ask you to do. If you realize this morning that the Holy Spirit has been given to you to empower you, that you would be a witness, that you would speak out what you've seen and heard, and that you, you believe, wow, God's speaking to me today. I am bold as a lion. I'm a hungry lion on my way. Now I'm going to ask you to ask God a dangerous question. What's my next step? Just that. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but God will tell you what it is. What's my next step? God, I've been given the Holy Spirit. I've been empowered. All you want me to do is just speak of what I've seen and heard, but with boldness, cheerful courage. God, what's my next step? And I want to close right there. I want to pray for us. I'm going to give 20 or 30 seconds to just to be quiet for you to ask the Lord, what's my next step? Before that, maybe you're here this morning and you recognize that you don't have the Holy Spirit because you've never met Jesus personally. You've maybe been to church a lot. Maybe you've sat here for years. Maybe you've given testimonies. Maybe you've talked about Jesus, but you've never had an encounter with Jesus. You've never recognized, I've sinned, and Jesus paid the penalty for my sins on the cross. You never asked Jesus to come into your life, to cleanse you from your sin. Until you do that, you don't have the Holy Spirit. But that's where hope is found. So if you need hope this morning, your step is towards Jesus. If you have hope this morning, Ask him what the next step is. Let's pray. Let's take a few moments to be quiet and just listen as God speaks to you. Because God is so faithful, I believe that what God is doing right now is he's speaking to many of you. It's very, the next step for you is very simple. It may not be easy, 
but it's very simple. So Lord, I ask now in the name of Jesus that by the Holy Spirit, fill us all again. Empower us again to be witnesses, to speak wherever we are about what we've seen and what we've heard. Lord, we're not going to make it up. We're not going to try to drum it up, but we're going to open our eyes to see all the opportunities that you give us day by day to be a witness to your love and your power. God, we ask that you would do this through us and all for the glory of the name of Jesus. Amen.